Isn't it great? Oh, it's so awesome. Those are great words. And it's awesome to gather to worship and celebrate that the tomb is still empty, that Jesus has risen, and the stone's been rolled away. And, and that fact changes everything. And, and in fact, Jesus changes everything. In light of that, in the next number of weeks, we're going to be uh, entering a seven-week series where we look at some of the things that Jesus said about himself in the Gospel of John, the I am statements of, of Jesus. Jesus painted seven pictures of, of what he was like, and including ones like this. We're going to look at these amazing things that he said about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We'll look at his audacious claim. He said, I am, I'm the bread of the world. <laughs> I'm the bread of life, he said. If you eat of me, you will never hunger again. Again, he said, I'm the gate, or he said, I'm, I'm the door by which you enter, or especially relevant in light of this week, and I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And in a world that has been especially dark in recent weeks, and this last week especially, uh, Jesus says, I am am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Again, and how he said, I'm the vine and the branches. If you remain in me and I, I in you, you will bear much fruit. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But today we're going to get started on this series by looking at the I am statement that fits best of all this weekend. John eleven twenty five. 25, when, when Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Would you say it with me? I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, if you, uh, the, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Um, now, there are times when I have some uh, fascinating conversations at the front door after our services, especially with little kids. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I love the kids of our church. They're, they're some of my favorite church members, just so you know. Um, like one kid uh, one week said, so Pastor Derwin, what's that fat roll thing on the back of your head? What's that for? I'm like, that kid was not my favorite, by the way. Um, but uh, for, for, a, for a while, for a succession of Sundays a couple of years ago, there was a little three or four-year-old girl who week after week would come up to me and say, Pastor Derwin, can, can you tell me what color was the devil? And I, I told her, I said, pink, because I hate pink. So that was my answer. Um, but she would come, every week she'd have this great question. Like, Pastor Derwin, can, can you tell me, like, why was the devil a snake? And I'm like, I have no idea. I, I, Pastor Derwin, why, you know, was it true that the devil was, was tempting Adam and Eve in the garden? I'm like, yes. It, Pastor Derwin, is it true that my dad looks like the devil? I, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, she never asked that, but I, I you know, I thought that. I, uh, I once had a, had a child ask me, you know, Pastor Jerome, what exactly is a, a resurrection? Uh, that's a great question. Just, just to be real clear, a resurrection is when something dies and then what? Comes back to life. That's a resurrection. Read this week uh, about something that happened a few years ago. Uh, a letter came from health services, the health services department, to a resident of, of South Carolina, Greene County. It said this, your subsidy check will be stopped effective immediately because we received notice that you passed away. God bless you. 
You may reapply if your circumstances change. <laughs> the only way that person is, is reapplying is if there is a resurrection. So Jesus says in, in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And, uh, and when he said this, he actually said it in the context of another guy who died, but didn't stay dead. His name was Lazarus. And, and we're going to walk through that story. And when, when we are, we're going to look at three different characters, three different ways that many of us die on the inside and see how the, the resurrection of Jesus can bring back to life that which was dead. John 11, verse 1 is where we're going to start. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. And, and we're going to find out that he wasn't just sick, but he was so sick that he was going to die. We're told he was from Bethany. That's a village just uh, about three kilometers from Jerusalem. The village of Mary and her sister Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. Verse 3 says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this is what you might call the, the, the bad news interrupting the good life. I mean, uh, and, and you know what I just want to say for a moment here, I know on a weekend like this, there are lots of people celebrating really great things in this season of their lives, but I also know that, that even in this room, there are, there are those who are, are really hurting, whose lives have been interrupted even this weekend by bad news. Um, Maybe some of you have heard the actual bad news. The one you love is sick. And someone you know has been afflicted by cancer or by Alzheimer's or by some other disease. Uh, or maybe some of you heard the news that the job that you love is going away. <laughs> or, or your dream marriage has turned into a, a nightmare. Or, or a family situation has just gotten really complex. Maybe it's gone real south. Or, or the principal calls you to talk about your teenager, and it's not to tell you that they made the honor roll. This is like what happened to, to Carol and, and Ron. Uh, there are a couple who attend our church. In fact, Carol is responsible for the beautiful flowers that we see around our, our sanctuary today. Um, but uh, a couple years ago, a couple summers, they were driving on their way in their RV to Yellowstone National Park. Now, I knew this specifically. Not everyone reports their vacation plans to me before they go. But we knew this because within a week, we were going to be following them, and our family was doing a road trip to, to Yellowstone. And so we had planned to kind of hook up there and have a meal. But the day before uh, our family were, were to go, uh, I, I got a call from, from Ron and Carol's daughter telling me that, that their son, Adam, 20-something-year-old, had uh, been driving an ATV out Harrison Hot Springs on the side of the mountain and had gone over a cliff, tumbled three or 400 feet and was seriously, seriously injured. They had airlifted him out, got him to the hospital, and I went, and I'll never forget, visiting him at RCH in the intensive care uh, as, I, as I looked at him, unconscious, comatose, uh, unsure, just uh, you know, hooked up to every wire and tube and, and breathing machine and apparatus, all that stuff, and, and uh, afraid for his life. And I, I remember sitting there going, how am I going to tell his parents that we don't know whether he's going to walk out of this room, if he's ever going to be okay? I mean, they, they assumed at the very, very least that he would be severely brain damaged, May, might never walk again for certain. Um, this is a bad news, actually, interrupting not only a, a vacation, their vacation, but it's interrupting a, an entire life. And, and some of you can relate to that, where something comes in, it's not at all pleasant or good news. 
Lord, the one you love is sick. But in the middle of this, in the Lazarus story, Jesus says something amazing. Watch what he says in verse 4. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And he goes on to say, no, it is for God's glory. You catch that? It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. This, this very thing that you would never, ever want to have happen, God is, is going to bring glory through the worst news you could ever imagine. And we'll come back to that verse, but, but let me give you a quick summary of, of verses 5 through 14. You can read the story on your own later if you'd like. Now, everyone believes that, that Jesus is going to show up, that he's going to, to help and come, but what does Jesus do? For two days, he does nothing. <laughs> he's like do to do you know, twiddling stuff, whatever he is. He's hanging out. I mean, they're all, all freaking out, and Jesus is intentionally paused. He's just hanging out. And then two days later, he says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And they object. And, and for good reason. Last time they had been in that region near Jerusalem, that the religious leaders had tried to stone Jesus. They tried to kill him. And so they were afraid. So they're like, if we go, they're going to kill you. And they would. But but, but he says, no, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and we need to go wake him up. And what Jesus wasn't saying there was that Lazarus was tired and was taking a nap. What he was saying was, is Lazarus would die. Lazarus was dead, and we need to go and raise him from the dead. And what I want to do is look at, at three different characters in the story. One of the disciples, Thomas, and then we want to look at these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and, and we're going to see three different ways that they were dying on the inside. And perhaps at, at this point in your life, or, or maybe at some point in your life, you can relate to what they were going through. Let's start with Thomas. Some of you can uh, relate to Thomas. Thomas was, was dead in his doubts, right? We come to find out this is something that Thomas struggled with. In, in fact, through church history, we've called Thomas what? Doubting Thomas. That's kind of what he is, has been known by. Here he is in verse 16. It says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. Everybody say Didymus. Didymus. Doesn't it sound like the, the name of a, a bad rapper? <laughs> Something like that? Didymus. By the way, Thomas was a twin. And, and the word name Thomas and Didymus actually mean the same thing. It, they mean twin. Some suggest he might have been a twin with somebody else, in the, a, a member of the disciples or so on. But that's just an aside. So anyway, Thomas the twin, Didymus, he says to the rest of the disciples, and I, I, I think he's actually being kind of sarcastic here. These are not like words of faith. This is sarcastic doubting Thomas. And, and he said, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> In other words, he's doubting. This is, this is just not going to turn out well at all. And, and I'm curious this weekend, this Easter weekend, how many of you have, have struggled with spiritual doubts at some point in your lives. Why don't you just raise your hand if you've had, had spiritual doubts at some point in your journey. Those with your hands down, just, just sit there and, and polish your halos while I talk to the rest of you for a moment, okay? <laughs> um, I, I don't think all doubt is bad. Uh, writer Frederick Buechner, uh, one of my favorite writers, he, he put it like this. He says, whether your faith is that there is a God or your faith is that there is not a God. I like how he, he, he kind of weighs that out. If you don't have any doubts, you are either kidding yourself or asleep. And I love this. He says, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep you awake and moving. <laughs> I love that. Doubts are the ants. can be ants in the pants of faith. They've been that for me. 
and, and just about everybody I know has, has prayed, a, prayed some prayer and believed God could and, and thought he would, and God didn't, and boom, they were overcome with doubt. Why didn't he do this? Or perhaps your story is, is that you grew up with uh, maybe a real simple faith in, in God, and, and then you went to a high school class or a, a college class, and you had uh, some professor or teacher tell you that, that the stuff in the Bible didn't actually happen, and, and there, boom, you're, you're overcome with doubts, and you're asking the question, like, is this real, or was this my parents' faith, or, or was it mine? Or maybe you believed in God, and then something really bad happened to somebody that you loved. And, and you're like, if God is good, why did he let that happen? If, if God is, is powerful, why didn't he stop that from happening? Suddenly you're like, Thomas, there's something on the inside that's, that's just, to be honest, a little bit dead in your doubts. Or maybe some of you, you're, you're like, a little bit like Mary. You're not dead in your doubts, but you're dead in your discouragement. Um, you, you don't see anything good happening in your life, and, and you can't seem, for whatever reason, can't seem to catch a break. Mary was incredibly discouraged. We see this in, in verse 20 where it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Jesus. But what did Mary do? We're told that Mary, actually, she just stayed home. She's like, why bother? I don't need to go out there. I mean, I mean, he's already dead. And there's nothing that can be done about it. It's too late. By the way, it's, it's kind of remarkable who this can happen to. This happened to Mary. This is where Mary was incredibly disappointed, incredibly discouraged. Mary was the one, we're told in this passage in John 11, that, that she was the one who, who went to Jesus and broke open the perfume over Jesus' feet and wiped up his feet her, with her tears and with her hair. She was that in love with Jesus. Another story, we're told that, that Jesus had come to visit their, their home and and Martha was busy trying to get food ready. She was worrying and fretting. And, and Jesus couldn't stay out, or Martha, Mary could not stay out of Jesus' presence. And she sat there at his feet, just drinking in every word that he said. Here she is terribly disappointed. I, I wonder if those who are close to Jesus sometimes can be vulnerable to a certain kind of disappointment. Like, God, I, I thought we were tight. <laughs> I thought you loved me. I, I believe you love me. And, and and you're not showing here, and, and, and it's especially disappointing because you thought you had something special with the big guy. But maybe this is simply where, where some of you are right now. You're, you're kind of dead in your discouragement. You're thinking, I, I, I can't change anything. I'm, I'm always going to feel alone. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm, I'm always going to be stuck in this, this dead-end job. Or I'm always going to be in this marriage that's not living up to what I hoped it would be. I'm just kind of stuck. I'm discouraged. I talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago, how uh, many of us kind of live with a constant sense of low-grade or middle-grade or high-grade discouragement. I, I can relate to that. I like how Rochelle Goodrich put it. She said, I've had the kind of bad day that no quote can fix. <laughs> I can relate to that. Some of you, that may be just where you are right now. You know, you, you, you're not going to show it. It's Easter. You put on nice clothes, or at least most of you did. You know, you, you look pretty okay. Uh, you, you're dressed up. You're, you're here at church. And some of you even do the kind of the fake it till you make it deal. You talk the talk. You say the right things. God, God is good. Jesus is risen. Jesus is so good to me. Life is good. Yes. And you're saying all the right things. You're smiling on the outside, but 
on the inside, if you're honest, you're really, really discouraged. Some are dead in their doubts. Some are, are dead in their discouragement. Martha, though, and maybe you can relate to her, Martha was dead in the delay. God, God took too long. Jesus should have come earlier, and he didn't. Why did he take so long? Verse 17, we see this. On, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long? For four days. Now, now why does this, this matter? Let me, let me tell you. In the time when Mary was living, there was a, a commonly held belief that a spirit would stick around the deceased body for three days. Uh, this was not a, a biblical belief. It was not a, a Christian belief. It was kind of like the common folklore of, of that day, that the spirit would stay around in case something happened, then the, and the spirit could return to the body. Well, four days, the spirit left. So in Martha's mind, Lazarus wasn't just mostly dead. <laughs> Princess Bride fans. He was all the way dead. <laughs> He was dead dead, you know. Uh, so dead was he that later in the story, Martha described, uh, is describing when Jesus wanted to roll the stone away. Um, she says, oh, you know, he's, don't, don't do that. He's going to smell. There's going to be this odor. And, and I, love the, I love the way the King James Version puts this. They, they had a way with words. They, they said, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> he's so dead that, that he stinketh. But that's how dead he was. Four days, the, the spirit's gone. He's, he's dead, dead, not just mostly dead. Verse 11, the Lord, Martha said to Jesus, and it's just such a poignant phrase. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that a, wow. There's a lot in that. So honest. She's saying, you took too long. Why didn't you come sooner? And some of you right now, you can relate to that. You, you feel dead in your delay. You're, you're waiting for some answered prayer, but there does not seem to be a result. I know a lot of great uh, young Christian girls, and you're, you're like, I'm serving Jesus, and, and I want to get married, and, and I'm faithful to God, and I want to get married, and all my, my, my friends are off clubbing and, and doing the thing, and, and, and they're, they're getting husbands, and here I am trying to be faithful to God, and I'm not meeting a guy, and I'm not getting married. Why is there no husband for me? And, and so you feel discouraged in the delay. Um, there are married couples I know, and they're praying to have a baby, and they just can't seem to conceive. And yet there are couples in their circle who, who they just seem to look at each other, and they get pregnant, right? And yet they're praying, and they're, they're, nothing's coming through, right? They're not getting pregnant. And this couple's just crying out and praying, and God seems to be doing nothing. Some of you, you are, are praying for a loved one or a friend to experience the, the goodness of God, and it seems like the, the harder you pray, the more it is that they're just further and further away, and you wonder, why God? How, how long? I, I know a lot of people who are praying and believing that God, that God could actually heal someone, and, and we serve a God that says all things are, are possible, yet you pray and you pray, and you pray, and God's just not doing it. And you feel dead in the delay. If that's you, I, I hope that this will speak to you. I hope that you'll never forget that God's, God's delays are not God's denials. You know, just because God hasn't done something does not mean that God is still not in charge and has a plan that he may be 
may be glorified in the future through the very thing going on today that you'd never, ever want to have happen. Um, I don't know about you, but I often read my Bible on uh, a device now, on, on, a, on a phone or on a, a tablet or, or some version thereof. Mostly for me, I love it because I can increase the size of the font. I don't know about you, but my, as I age, my arms are, are getting shorter or something like that. I, I, I'm, I'm having to go out here to be able to read. And so I, I rarely am reading from a device most of the time. Uh, this week, I read this particular passage from uh, my hard copy, my trusty, faithful paper copy of the Bible. And it's interesting as I read this scripture, as I, as I read through this scripture that... Um, and it's on page 1005 of my Bible. All, all the bad stuff seems to happen on page 1005. I mean, li- literally, you're reading it, and, and it's like Lazarus dies, and, and Thomas is, is distraught, and, and uh, Mary is, uh, is depressed, and Martha is mad. And all this has happened, and then I turn the page. I mean, everything bad has happened on, on page 1005, but, but one page turn in the whole story shifts in a moment, right, on page 1006. And I'll read you what, what the first words that Martha says on, on page 1006. She says this amazing phrase. She says, but I know that even now, do you catch that? I love that line. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha gets a lot of, lot of uh, bad credit for, for, for what happens in the kitchen, her being so worried and fretful. She should get way more credit for these words right here. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. E- even though we're, we're dead in our doubts and discouragement, we're, we're dead in, in our delay, even now, Jesus, God will give you whatever you ask. Some of you need to have an even now moment with God. You're kind of stuck on page 1005, and it's time to turn the page and let let 1006 faith become alive in you. Even now, all things are possible with God. This is exactly what happened in that hospital room with Adam those two years ago. I'll never forget laying hands on his broken body and praying the prayer, God, would you do a miracle in him? And this whole church prayed, and, and uh, countless others were praying with me that prayer. And, 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 and I mean, the, again, we're told he's not going to walk, he's, he's going to be brain damaged, all these things. And yet, two or three Sundays later, there was Adam showing up here on a Sunday morning, walking in and worshiping t- with us together. Later that, that fall, he joined our team and went off to Kenya and served on our outreach team in, in Africa. And there is Adam right there. Doing sound this morning. It was one of those impossibles until God showed up and the page got turned. Even now, somebody say, even now. Even now. Some of you need an even now moment. Even now, some of you are you're, you're discouraged, and, and, and the presence of God can just come in like a flood and build your faith. Even now, when, when you feel like, like you're alone, like there's no one there, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit can give you a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Even now, God can, can reach into your messed up marriage or your messed up family, and he can bring hope and, 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 and forgiveness and harmony and restoration. All things are possible. Even now, when everything looks impossible, we ser- serve a God who says, all things are possible. Even now, when, when your heart may be cold or, or callous towards, toward the things of God, our God in a moment can, can soften your heart and, and draw you into his presence. Even now, when there's something that is dead, the resurrection power of Christ can bring it back to life again. And that's, that's what Jesus did in verse 23. He told Martha, he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, she says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last days. In that moment, they were kind of thinking of different resurrections. Uh, Notice Jesus said in verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I'm able to resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. Because I to say, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will, will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and and the life. You see, it's not just what he does, it's it's who he is. You see, the the resurrection is not just an event, it's a person. The resurrection is not an event, it's a person. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. And dead things do not stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. And the resurrection, Jesus looks at the tomb and where Lazarus is, where he stinketh. And uh, he said to the disciples, take the stone away. And, and when they did, in verse 43, Jesus cried out in a, in a loud voice. Now, why did he cry out in a loud voice? No idea. Cried out in a loud voice. But perhaps dead people don't hear so well or something like that. But he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And this is what we're told. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. By the way, I, I love kind of contrasting these, these two stories. I'll call them Easter stories. Jesus is dead in the tomb and, and there's a stone blocking it. And there's Lazarus, he's, he's dead in a tomb and there's a stone blocking it. And when Jesus goes to Lazarus, he, he tells the disciples, roll the stone away. And when Jesus was in the tomb on that Easter morning, the, 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 the women walking to the tomb were most worried about it was who is going to roll the stone away. Some of you, you feel dead on the inside. You, you, you've lost faith. You've lost hope. You're, you're dead in the delay. You're discouraged. You've got doubts. It's kind of like being trapped in, in a tomb and you feel like you don't have the strength to roll the stone away. On this Easter, I, I want to remind you that Christ is the one who rolls the stone away. And the same voice that, that called Lazarus to come out is, is calling to you, come out, come out. And your sins can be forgiven, not because you are good, but because he's good. You can be set free, not because you are strong, but because he's strong. You can feel his presence, not because you deserve it, but because he's that good. The resurrection is not what he does. It is who he is. Why does it matter? Well, because God in his love and his mercy did something that, that we were incapable of, of doing for ourselves. He became one of us. Jesus did. 
God in the flesh, born of a virgin. Why does it matter that Jesus was born of a virgin? It meant that he didn't inherit our sin nature. He inherited his father's nature. He would be the, the lamb that was without blemish or, or spot or, or, or wrinkle. He was perfect. He did not sin. Therefore, he could be the, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the, the whole world. And, 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 and he went on to, to brutally suffer at the hands of, of the creation, and he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I've, I've finished, I've completed what you set me up to do, what you, what you, the assignment you've given me, it is finished. He says, into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the earth went dark and it shook, and everyone that was there who thought he was the Messiah, they fell into darkness and despair as well. They didn't realize it was Friday. And Sunday was coming. They were on page 1005. But with a turn of the page, God, God would be glorified through the death as Jesus was raised. And, and, and some of you right now, I, I can tell you, you're stuck on page 1005. And, and with one touch from God, you can turn the page to, to page 1006. And I'm not tell, here telling you that uh, everything's peachy on page 1006, that everything's going to be perfect. Um, that uh, you'll never have problems. Everybody's healed. Everyone lives forever. forever. Uh, everyone keeps their hair. Uh, I, I, everyone keeps their hair. Let me say it again. They don't. Doesn't mean they're not. It doesn't mean they're cursed. Doesn't mean you win the lottery. Doesn't mean all those kind of things. You know what I'm telling you is on page 1006, God is always glorified by what happens on page 1005 because He is that good. We have a God who says, "I can redeem anything." And so Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Some of you, you're, you're dead in your sins. That's the way Scripture describes us without God. He says, you're dead in your sins. But because of what he did, not because of, of you deserving it, not because of what you've done or, or how you could ever earn it or deserve it, our sins can, can be forgiven and you can be made a brand new person. We're told that. It's called the gospel. It's the good news that God did something that we could never do for ourselves because he's that good. And so the tomb is empty, he is risen, and the resurrection changes everything. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Whoever believes in me will never die. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, I, I want to pray today that your word and, and your presence would build faith in us this morning, God. And I, and I know there, there are those of you here right now who are hurting. There are, there are struggles and, and trials you're facing, and uh, I want to take a moment, and if that's you, that you'd say, dear one, I really do. I, I need some prayer. Would you pray for me? I re feel real discouraged. Maybe you've got some doubts. Uh, you've got some real questions. Maybe you're wondering why God hasn't done what you thought he should do and you need prayer. Well, let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you that you are, are so good and so big that you know the intimate details of our every situation, God, of every person with a need. And God, I pray that by your power, you would intervene even right now, spiritually speaking, God, for those who are hurting and those who feel alone. God, I pray you would be their ever-present help in a time of trouble, that your very presence, even right now, 
by your Holy Spirit would be their comforter and, and a peace that goes beyond all of their ability to understand. And God, I, I know that on page 1005, everything doesn't always happen the way we want. But God, I thank you that you're a God who works in all things to bring about good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to hang on in our, our 1005 and that you'd give us faith to believe that there is a 1006. And when we make it to 1006, God, we ask that you would be glorified for the things that are hard for us to understand today. Build our faith, God, so, so we know that you are ultimately good in every way. As, as you keep praying today, I love this question that Jesus asked. He said, I'm the resurrection. He said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I'll tell you, I, I believed that in my head growing up. I, I grew up in a Christian home, and, and I attended church all through my childhood and youth. And I believed it, but I only had a head understanding of it, and I didn't have a heart relationship. I understood it intellectually, but I, but I never personalized the reality of the death and the resurrection, that Jesus did that for me. I always thought I had to be good, and, and so I had to try hard, and, and hopefully I was better than other people. Hopefully. And, and quite honestly, it, it felt like a dead-end road for me. And I don't think I realized the internal doubts I had, that the fear of not measuring up was all because I was dead in my sins. And I, and I also didn't realize that dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection comes in. And I sensed this morning for some of you, the same voice that, that called Lazarus out of the grave is calling you out of your sins today and saying, come out. There's forgiveness. There's, there's grace. There's, there's healing it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how big your doubts are, how, how bad you've been, how alone you feel, how, how much you've, you've messed up. And, and when, when you come to him, know that he loves you and he forgives you and, and, and he wants to just make you a brand new person. And he fills you with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. There are those of you that, that, that are here for this very moment when, when Jesus says, come forth, come out. Give your lives to me. And, and there are those of you here this morning, you, knew, you know you, you need him. Maybe uh, you believed intellectually, but today you're going to let that sink from your brain 18 inches down to your heart. And you're going to believe him and, and call out on him and get to know him personally. And you know what? You'll never be the same. As, a, as you turn from your sins and turn toward him, he will forgive you, and he'll make you new. He'll help you and, and reach down into the darkness, and he'll be the light and the resurrection life. Those of you who'd say, that's me, I, I'm, I'm ready, I believe it, that's, that's kind of why I'm here, I, I want to believe it in my heart, just, just turn to Jesus, ask for his grace, and offer him your life. Let's pray together with those who are praying that for, for maybe the first time. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and you are risen so I could be forgiven. So I could serve you. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you all the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. Thank you today for this gift of, of you being risen, which means you're alive and that you can be alive in me. I give you my life. 
In Jesus' pray, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hillside Church, let's, uh, let's conclude by worshiping big and giving praise to the one who deserves it more than anyone else. Let's, let's sing. Stand with us, would you?